You are listening to the podcast Invisible Fintech, Open Banking and APIs hosted by Amit Goel and Sally Rabindran from Medici. Hello and welcome listeners. I'm your host Amit Goel and this is the place where fintech banking and technology folks learn about how financial firms old and new are leveraging the power of APIs. Fintech companies have looked at API first development for long but banks and FIs have the potential to unlock everything from individual digital services to a full API ecosystem of developers and partners. We cover many facets of the API revolution in this podcast such as open banking, open APIs, banking as a service, financial infrastructure APIs and fintech APIs. And how these open several new business opportunities for banks, fintechs, and tech fins around consent-based data sharing and open API-based integrations. The whole world is building on APIs. Don't be left behind. Learn, collaborate, and execute fintech. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Invisible Fintech. Now, this is the third episode. Um, that we are doing and this is also the second episode on financial infrastructure APIs uh, which will be our focus uh, for this episode. Today I have a special guest uh, who is joining us. Um, He is the founder of YAP. YAP started as a prepaid program manager and over the last five years has evolved into a full-fledged API-based banking infrastructure business. Uh, The company claims to work with over 20 bank partners and 250-plus fintech engagements. YAP has enabled all aspects of a retail bank across bank accounts, deposit products, payments including credit, debit, and prepaid, UPI, and cross-border products to allow companies to rapidly develop, deploy, and iterate innovative new products and capabilities. In short, we call them a classic financial infrastructure API company. So we have with us today Madhu Sudan. Um, we call him Madhu in the industry. And he is the founder and CEO of YAP. Um, I also have my co-host Salil Ravindran, who heads uh, global digital banking um, and, and research for Medici. And he will be uh, asking questions along with me to Madhu um, during this conversation today. So welcome, Madhu. Thanks, Amit. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Excited to sort of share uh, what we have been sort of seeing from the market. And we are one of those few entities, you know, uh, outside of the VC community, uh, which is at a vantage point. Uh, and we kind of have like, you know, how, what companies sort of go through and very excited to, you know, sort of share our learnings and, you know, what we see from, from this part of the world. Awesome. So I will hand over the mic to Salil to start um, asking some of the questions. Thanks, Amit. Uh, Madhu, welcome to Invisible Fintech. It's uh, quite nice to have you in this as our uh, very first guest. Um, we recorded a couple of episodes before this and, uh, you know, it, it drew a lot of interest. So uh, let me just uh, straight away get into some of these questions for you. 
uh, a lot of people obviously uh, you know are quite conversant with the fintech industry now and we also know there are banks on the other side and quite a lot of people know that yak kind of sits in between fintechs and banks or other financial institutions in general but just for the benefit of our listeners um, can you please explain what is the exact role yak plays in this whole ecosystem yeah uh, thanks alil uh, i think uh, you know i just want to sort of start with a you know uh, analogy right uh, in in uh, to a lot of people uh, infrastructure in itself is a you know uh, is a very broad sort of term. there are companies that actually provide uh, data centers to bank uh, there are companies that provide kyc services to bank and there's there's uh, there's a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, confusion around what this qualifies as infrastructure right and in the way we sort of look at it uh, we have been you know i used to run products at visa prior to starting this company and uh, and we you know in in our job you know day job we used to sort of realize how difficult it was for companies to actually go out and build products or uh, more particularly you know how can they extend uh, a product or service that is a regulated uh, you know uh, product uh, as part of their systems their workflows and all of that right so the genesis of the company started from the fact that how do we help businesses that are looking to uh, go out and build their own you know uh, technology layer or a financial services product layer on top of their sort of incumbent use case right and when we you know when we looked at this opportunity obviously uh, the world was very different we didn't have apis as a buzzword for that matter even fintech in india was not a you know a buzzword uh in you know back in 2013 2014 um and the idea really was to sort of uh, try and figure out how do you actually uh, help companies uh, you know go out, go to market faster how do you build better tech uh, products and how do you uh, also sort of uh, help them to achieve their objectives right having said which you know uh, over the last 4 5 years you know we have matured the ecosystem has matured and we are at a point in time where uh you know think of you know how uh cloud computing sort of changed with you know when aws sort of came into being prior to that every venture funded venture backed you know startup used to spend i read it in one of the reports used to spend almost about 30 40% of their you know uh, initial sort of capital in buying servers and putting it up and running the whole infrastructure right it was early early 2000 uh, when this whole you know dot uh, com started taking off and come aws it actually sort of uh, you know helped anybody with a 100 dollar credit card to virtually start up right you don't need to be an expert and it is just become better there are you know multi billion dollar businesses that have got built on top of it right mm-hmm. computing and the whole you know what aws solved for it is fairly simple because it's just like a service layer that you know uh, you can sort of code in and have that delivered but in a banking world and in the financial services world it, there's a lot more complexity because you're at one level you're dealing with you know customer trust at the other level you actually are you know uh, working with regulated entities and so on and so forth right so the complexity is just a lot more uh, so where we found our speech spot and we continue to sort of build on uh, is is the fact that uh, in markets like india uh, where the licensing you know is not at will right so you, you right. know india regulator is uh, fairly conservative in their you know new licensing sort of outlook and, and not just in india we see that you know uh, 
in many of the other emerging markets regulators having uh, uh, you know such a conservative outlook where you despite having a lot of capital and you know having hordes of customer uh, the license is not a given right so you just need to figure out and that doesn't that cannot stop a company from going out and building a you know financial services product right so thereby we realized that at one level uh, there's a lot of customers who are you know uh, working or you know who are part of a new you know world order you know call it consumer internet business or you know any any sort of customer segment for that matter and then you had banks which were really sort of struggling right uh, which really didn't have the you know technology stack or the wherewithal or or they just didn't have the interest to sort of serve these segments because right. they just felt that it was out of place for them um and then we realized that you know there is probably an opportunity to actually sit in the middle and orchestrate it right so in, in our initial days we focused on payments so we you know payments was you know uh, easy picking uh, in the sense that any business that is working on payments uh, the delta benefit that accrues to the ecosystem players which is their customers or whoever it is uh is pretty significant right so you know a company that stopped writing checks and moved to online banking will never go back to writing checks right because the system was down right. for a day or two right they'll probably postpone that transaction by a couple of days uh, so payments you know in every business where, where there is money being taken or given uh is is probably the early sort of uh, financial services playbook that companies want to uh, adopt and grow right Uh, so thereby you know we also sort of uh, realized that uh, it will be a good way to actually start uh, payments as the core uh, but a vibrant market like india where there is you know so much happening around payments and you know today have a, a model where it has become almost a utility and, and there is no money in that core business right the payment uh, you know as you would imagine is a loss leader uh, in many of the segments uh, it becomes an anchor sort of uh, you know product and a playbook on which you can build capabilities on top of right and that's where we are today right wonderful so you you started out of payment started out with payments obviously and uh, the kind of uh, you know options that you have today the sort of innovation that has happened in payments itself is uh, is is quite big so there's quite a lot of things to do in payments itself but what has been your product journey since then have you uh gone beyond payments into uh, other domains let's say for lending or uh, and neo banking kind of services uh, what's been your product journey so far and and what are the kind of geographies that you're servicing today yeah yeah i think there are you know so what happens is that uh, what payments does is that you know uh, by virtue of it being a specialized service right it's not like uh, anybody can start up uh, and run a payments business especially when you're working with banks Uh, there's a whole bunch of governance, uh, you know, uh, structures that are required, uh, and and by virtue of our, uh, you know, experience of having worked in Visa, uh, we kind of already had, you know, sort of conversations with relevant stakeholders, and we also knew what the gaps were uh, with respect to, you know, payment infrastructure that were there, right? Uh, think I, I'll just give you a very simple sort of example. Uh, when you look at the cards world. uh today cards world uh, globally not just in india is looked up as you know a credit card or a debit card or a prepaid right and and these are different technology stacks uh you know in every bank large and small uh, you will have like three different systems uh, on which these you know card stacks actually run right right but the way they connect to the network the way the transactions get processed 
uh, at a foundational level, uh, the transactions are exactly the same, right? Even for that matter, the network may not even know whether it's a debit or a credit card. Well, they do uh, because of other reasons like the economic uh, underlying economics of the transaction. Yeah. Uh, you really don't have any difference between a credit card transaction and a debit card transaction at a payment transaction level, right? But however, the systems have been built over the years as standalone sort of stacks, right? So when we started looking at it, we really questioned as to why uh, this is built in this fashion, right? And thereby, that led us to believe that uh, some of these were done at a point in time and it has just been, you know, caught in that, you know, sort of legacy of the past. And nobody has tried to sort of reinvent, uh, you know, some of these stacks, right? So the first thing that we did was to really rehash the whole, uh, you know, underlying uh, sort of payments sort of technology layer, right? So that uh, what used to be a bank-facing, inward-looking technology platform, by that what I mean is that whenever a bank deploys an infrastructure, they will look at what is their, you know, uh, alternate channels, what is their brand channel, what is their consumer, you know, sort of uh, external-facing digital assets, uh, is the platform serving that need, right? Is, is all that the bank's outlook is. But you, when you bring brands into the mix where you have a partnership with a brand and the brand wants to run that whole consumer experience layer, the systems actually break, right? So when we looked at it, we said, how do you make sure you build enough you know, capabilities so that the bank is in control from a regulatory standpoint, but leave everything else to that brand because... As far as the customer is concerned, uh, he's dealing, he or she is dealing with that brand and they are expecting this to be a product of that brand, right? Uh, so globally now, you know, uh, you know, we moved away from the whole API infrastructure play to what is being referred to as embedded finance, uh, which is nothing but how do you actually embed, you know, financial services products within existing sort of workflows, right? Whether it's an Apple Pay sitting in an, in an iPhone or, you know, uh, you know, Google Pay coming in and saying we're going to offer current accounts for SMEs in India, right? right. Uh, so it's essentially offering it on top of an you know anchor use case that's already out there. So we realized that the underlying infrastructure that are there were not built for the new world order. That's the first thing that we did, right? And and from there on, what has been happening is that when we went to you know uh, when we started you know working with banks. Uh, by virtue of this new tech and the problems that we were solving, uh, those companies actually sort of came to us or those banks came to us and said, hey, you guys seem to know this, you know, better than how we could solve it. Uh, can you also pick these two or three, you know, areas and help us solve for it, right? It just became a, you know, uh, uh, it just became a partnership where uh, banks started looking at us saying, uh, can we do this better? Can we do this more efficiently? Uh, and that's how, you know, uh, it started culminating into a much broader playbook as far as the, you know, APIification with the banks were concerned, right? Right. Um, obviously, the models vary. Uh, like today, uh, new banks is a sort of buzzword and everybody, you know, uh, has a view on the whole new bank. Uh, a lot of people are questioning the profitability of the model and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. Correct. But the reality is that uh, in a new bank sort of infrastructure play, you first need to solve for the underlying product itself, right? So the, the what is given is that you will be able to open an account from your phone, you'll be you'll get a debit card, you'll get access to UPI. All of that is, you know, uh, is like hygiene, right? Nobody actually 
uh, says, wow, you know, these can these things can happen, right? Yeah. And that's where India is very different uh, to other markets, right? Uh, in the first world, uh, the, uh, the problems are still around how do you move money in real time, right? Like in the US, uh, PayPal, for instance, came 20 years back. You know, it still is relevant. You don't have, you know, efficient ACH system. So any business, any new bank that goes out and says, I can move money in real time between, you know, one new bank to the other, it will still have a lot of value creation that can happen. Yeah. But in the Indian context, that is not there, right? So for, so thereby, uh, what we are building for in India, uh, in many ways is uniquely, uh, you know, uh, to addressing the, the current sort of Indian market needs. Uh, and thereby we find that uh, at the intersection of commerce, mobility, uh, where there are interesting use cases that are getting built, uh, that's where we believe there is, you know, a productization opportunity and, you know, the value for our platform play will be, right? So there's obviously we are doing a lot of work with a number of banks on neobanking as, as an infrastructure play. Uh, and now we are at a point in time where uh, we are seeing the benefits of our payments play, which is how do you run the whole uh, credit or a debit card or a prepaid card infrastructure efficiently or better tech. Uh, couple that with our playbook around new banks, uh, you will find new and interesting and innovative use cases getting built on top of our, you know, uh, our playbook. Right. If you, from a fintech's point of view, I think this is. Uh, certainly a very valuable proposition, no doubt about it, because obviously they don't have the core expertise to build something like this. And, uh, you know, neither is it in their core interest to go after, uh, you know, taking care of regulations and things like that. So definitely there's a lot of value. But from a bank's point of view, I just wanted to know, um, you know, what, why wouldn't they really build this? So what's really the build versus partner uh, agree, you know, sort of, um, uh, an argument over here. Uh, why would banks really come to you and partner with you rather than they building it themselves? Yeah, I think the, uh, so it's more, uh, you know, we going to the banks, right, with the demand side uh, than banks coming to us, right? So that's the, you know, so we, uh, today, if you look at it from an outside world, uh, just as a consumer, right, you, you sort of walk into a marketplace and you find uh, 20 different bank branches out there uh, the chances are that you'll get the same product across all 20 of them. Right? It's pretty much like a commodity. And then you will you will base your decision on which bank to open an account with based on what in your mind is like, you know, either it could be trust or it could be a brand recall or it could be somebody who's doing uh, uh, sort of the digital sort of, uh, you know, playbook more efficiently, right? Uh, so likewise, when we work with a number of these businesses and fintechs, the bank really is not uh, as much important to, than to the solutioning itself, right? So what mm -hmm. is the problem solving they are doing? Uh, that takes precedence over which bank we will do this with, right? So if somebody is coming to us, uh, the, our first effort is to try and figure out what's the problem solving, what's the objective, and how in our you know sort of uh, domain can we co-create something that will address that need, right? So that's the first part. And then, you know, then we sort of figure out, right, let's say, for example, you know, we decide to do a new bank product for, let's say, you know, SMEs, then there could be like a handful of banks that are SME focused, right? So if you are an SME focused new bank, uh, you may need, you know, access to a branch because you might have the cash deposits that are happening. 
you might need you know check clearing to be done you might need you know uh, in the future a need for you know invoice discounting uh, that may arise so those filters and the product you know extensions that you may have will you know drive you towards a decision on which bank to partner with right so that's from from the way we look at it but from a banker standpoint uh, to my earlier point it's always about you know what value that we bring to them uh, hmm. without incremental sort of you know uh, overheads cost yeah. or resources right both in the form of team so when we go and you know our conversations are saying you know if you are sort of going to work with us these are the you know five things that we can take away from your team right like a typical conversation in a bank is that how much should i resource what is that i should plan for it could be across product operations technology right even if it's like half resource there's a lot of planning that goes into a bank before you know like uh, that's how they are you know sort of structured so thereby in in our sort of approach to a bank it's never about selling uh, what we have uh, it's about partnering with them and saying that hey if you partner with us uh, these are the kind of fintechs that we will work these are the kind of opportunities that we will bring to you and broadly sort of say that this is the outlook from a business standpoint so there are and in the, within that you will have nuances that uh, come up uh, like what is the motivation for a bank to work with you right uh, so and and that will change depending on the size of the bank and their outlook in the market right like for example a small bank could get motivated by balance sheet that you will bring to the table right for example if you do just a prepaid product it just gives you a float income uh, let's say you know you commit to a 100 crore float in like 6 months or so uh, that's a significant uh, you know value from a small bank standpoint mm. conversely if you go to a large private bank that 100 crore is a drop in the ocean it's one large corporate account right. that they need to sign up with right yeah. so there the motivations are around can you by partnering help them be seen as a fintech friendly bank can you help the largest you know consumer internet companies to partner with that bank so yeah. the motivations also vary you know when you work with banks and here again like you know uh, india is very different from how it happens in the us so us if you look at a lot of the action whether it's mercator or galileo or synapsify all of these guys who are in the infrastructure play they all without an exception actually partner with smaller sort of banks right yeah. but in india you know the torch bearers around you know uh, the whole digitization effects have been uh, some of the large banks like google pay has signed up with the top four banks in the country and things like that right so so there is it's no longer you know uh, about just renting out a bank's license uh there's a lot more you know uh you know chipping in from the bank that is happening and that's happening uh you know and we are also sort of pleasantly surprised with the way uh, the engagement levels have gone up uh, in some of the banks right? they have got like now assembled a team uh, which is going after fintech as a you know as an opportunity set right which never existed 3 or 4 years ago yeah that's wonderful actually um, you know that kind of says me a question because i wanted to really ask you their level of readiness but i do understand from several people that you know that's kind of uh, improved a lot over the last uh, couple of years both from an operational as well as from a technology standpoint amit i know you had a couple of questions to ask madhu yeah yeah so uh, you absolutely right madhu you know on the comparison between the us and india market and uh, i'll possibly come back to couple of them later on but i i want to sort of also discuss uh, that as the industry changes right as it adopts fintech as it uh, as banks start thinking about vas 
as financial infrastructure apis become more robust uh, as as you players like you mature i do see a couple of massive shifts that will happen right for example uh, you know we talk about vertical saas right so there right. are companies that are focusing on particular industries and the value chain thereof and they're not necessarily fintech companies they are basically vertical saas companies and um if you look at so i was talking to somebody from zilingo which is into the fashion uh, industry value chain yeah. and uh, there is an there's a guy who joined who has a lot of banking and fintech experience in the past and he was explaining me that why the promise of having more data for lending was not fulfilled by a traditional fintech lending company but in a uh, in a vertical saas setup right whether it is a toast in the us which is looking after the retail uh, restaurant industry or zilingo which is looking after the fashion industry very closely they have so much more data because they are embedded across the value chain right so right. one of the things i fear <laughs> i fear the casualty of this movement which is happening with bas and financial infrastructure apis and in fintech is that some of these fintech companies set up in last 3 5 years uh, you know around lot of promises that i fear will may may be the casualty and and why like you know i i wanted to ask you if 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 you agree with the hypothesis because i feel that there were traditional fintech companies like you know the builders of the world or you know the others who have been around so they have built market share they have relationships they have some unfair advantage right and now there are these vertical saas companies who can actually uh, collect more data they control they have a way to collect because you know they are enabling uh, inventory software apr software for most of these companies across the value chain so so they have they have a much better chance at at doing lending and also collections right so where does that leave the fintech companies that were set up in the last 3 5 years yeah i mean it's a great question right in the sense uh, we have uh, and and also uh, in many ways if you look at it uh, uh, yeah, i think i read somewhere you know we just have to figure out how we disrupt ourselves before somebody else sort of disrupts you right i think yeah uh, that's probably happening in an accelerated manner uh, the last couple of years at least in india uh, where uh, you know you have these new cohorts of you know opportunities that have you know sort of come up uh, like what's happening you know even with the you know open credit uh, enablement network that nandan sort yeah. of announced a couple of weeks ago uh it probably now is questioning to a number of intra players who are you know sort of lms platforms where are building value added services on top of it right so because there is absolutely no uh, value ascribing that you can do which is proprietary right. uh but having said which you know the risk capital is is aimed at that only right so if you if you just look at our own history over the last 5 6 years to 2014 15 you had probably some maybe about 100 wallet companies that were there right today right. if you look around there are probably one or two right and not and you know where their stories are headed right yeah some a few of them matured into banks and you know which is great great outcomes for them but there were like 95 of them which sort of fell by the wayside and that capital sort of got sunk in likewise with covid you will have like a number of these lending companies that may just vanish because they were not able to raise follow on capital the models were not proven and things like that right i think it's just that perfect competition from uh, from a sector standpoint that is uh, that is happening it normally yeah. is a, like a 10 15 year cycle i think we are at a reset where that could sort of accelerate right to to your example on build desk uh, they have been trying to reinvent themselves when bbps came in that was a curveball uh, they probably didn't expect 
but they have right. come out of it you know they've emerged stronger they're probably doing a lot more because there is standardization that has happened uh, mm-hmm. which is to my earlier point that standardization will lead to you know a lot of power centers that will be there right? we are seeing that in upi the standardization led to four companies pretty much controlling 90% of the you know spend right banks are nowhere in the picture right, right. Uh, whether it's a good outcome great outcome bad outcome we'll know like four phases down the line but as we speak now this is you know this is working right so so they by okay. uh, we'll see that in other segments uh, we often sort of get uh, you know uh, there's a lot of hype around you know banking fintechs and you know payment sort of fintechs uh, but interestingly over the last 6 odd months there's a lot of work that's happening around insure tech which was you know which is not not non existent in india because it was always a push sort of product um now there is acceleration that's happening there right so the some of the models that were there around how insurance was getting sold like uh, players like a bank bazaar they really have to reinvent themselves to sort of stay relevant and continue to be a fintech sort of play right uh, even the world uh, the new world order that is there where api players are coming in and saying and there's digital sort of focused insurance company that are coming in saying we can reinvent how sort of insurance is product is right. manufactured and sort of distribute you know dispersed uh, so distributed as well right um, so i think this model reorientation i you know i'm sure every founder that's what they wake up and sort of think about right how what, what is sort of going to hit me and how do i prepare myself for for that yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah so i th- i think that pain will be there in some segments for sure yeah yeah there are too many curveballs being thrown at uh, fintech founders i feel some of them are actually short term but then some of them they can see see them coming and probably prepare for it and this is one of them right like they should like every fintech founder should now start thinking about what will happen if the vertical saas companies really really sort of you know instead of just putting a referral link uh, they start embedding finance right all yeah. these financial services what will happen but that also this, well, sorry yeah. uh, also just one last thought there also the it also points to opportunities from an mna right india is a market uh i have noticed is not very high on mna right in the us for instance or in most part of europe there is a lot of recognition and value for time right you don't yeah. invest you go and acquire companies because you can be faster to market right correct and it's probably uh, you know a point in time these are your ecosystem itself that you will probably need to see a lot more velocity of mna deals happening so that you accelerate your you know product sort of road uh, rollouts faster right so so these vertical yeah. saas companies could potentially acquire higher you know which i think covid is going to sort of aid that where right. the core competencies that fintech has built uh, yeah. can be sort of complementary in nature to that you know a vertical saas company itself right so i yeah. i just i just have like a very sort of positive <laughs> vibe out of this uh, from that perspective yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know that is true, and I think something earlier also you said that um, while fintech exits are harder in India, obviously you know there have been no IPOs in the last couple of years, and um, US has been so hot from an IPO perspective. But even in terms of M and A, I think uh, we just released a report recently on fintech exits, and in the last one and a half years, out of two eighty deals which happened, or rather in I think January twenty twenty till uh, July and. uh 2020 we saw about 279 deals and out of that india had only like a handful like six or seven uh, deals really so that market has to improve but again that also goes back to right here a lot of stuff is being built as public goods so for example a plaid 
in the US got sold for $5.3 billion and Affinity got sold to MasterCard. But here, uh, it will be probably an account aggregator and probably another 10 companies in the US will be covered by OSIN and so on and so forth. So there's that challenge as well. But let me go to something you said in the beginning, right? You said that you talked about the fact that infrastructure players have been there, right? So in the US, you know, FIS, Fiserv have been there. To India, you know, there have been companies offering servers, data centers, ATM infrastructure. So the legacy providers have been there and there are a lot of limitations with that model. But one thing that I saw during the time uh, is that if, a, if there's a brand, a bank or a consumer tech company, right, they could work with these guys, but build, they had to build some tech, some IP of their own. And that's why there was, uh, you know, uh, there was some additional value, right, because of the tech IP that you build. With financial infrastructure APIs, the thing is that while it dramatically reduces the time to launch and, you know, it enables, you know, the entrepreneur to focus on sort of bringing the new products to the market uh, and also focus on customer understanding and distribution strategy, right? So it's a lot of product marketing distribution related work that they can focus on instead of bothering about banking infrastructure and payments expertise and all that, all that. But the casualty of that might be like, for example, what is happening with new banks, right? People are saying that, okay, the, the infrastructure is available, you know, through, yeah. uh, through the company. So what is really like, you know, are these going, are these guys going to be like different sort of, you know, different color of the lipstick on the, on a similar right. looking pig, right? So right. what's, what's your, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I think there is, uh, so, so there, there are two parts to this, right? One is the fact that, uh, a number of these are, uh, untested and, and uncharted territory, right? In the sense what a consumer neobank play in India will look like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to see what experience layer that, you know, people are sort of going to bring. It cannot be just another, you know, sort of cashback, uh, sort of playbook, right? I think that's yeah. sort of done away with. And also there is, uh, there's a lot more, you know, sort of responsible way in which I see some of these companies that are, you know, getting sort of built because many of these neobank playbooks are, uh, by, uh, you know, second time founders, founders who've had exit and all of that. So they have, you know, they are working on sort of deep insights from a customer sort of, uh, journey standpoint, right? right. Uh, and, and, and thereby, uh, what they are going after, uh, is, you know, opportunity and a profit pool, uh, that probably is there, but it is not getting extracted from a value sort of creation, uh, standpoint, right? So that's what I, I think, and, and, and much like Wallet, uh, even Neobanks, five years out, if you actually sort of uh, look back, uh, you will actually realize that there are only two or three companies that uh, got born out of this uh, this era, right? So you'll have you know businesses that have really either had capital as a moat or you know, have just driven it like what Nubank did in, in Brazil, where they've been able to just go after uh, young adults and build it as a you know massive sort of success story. Uh, so that's yeah. what I, I believe in an in Indian context, uh, it will happen because right. the margin for you to, you know, uh, not get it right is very, very thin, right? You can, because many of the banks in India have also been sort of uh, saying, and I keep, uh, you know, joking with my colleagues that uh, the India neobank story from a you know private bank is probably one chief design officer away, right? You know, somebody could, <laughs> you know, it's just personality driven. Uh, somebody could get hired who can be given a mandate and a you know few million dollars, uh, 
uh, because banks today are the you know arms dealer right so they could virtually turn the whole thing around and say that you know here's a new bank it's it's happened in the middle east for example right emirates and yeah. bd has a yeah, product called live which is which is you know fabulous right i mean they, they've been able to get that out in like 6 8 months uh may not it may not be the same product that you will have from neo banks and the scope of what they will provide and how they service that customer could be very different but i just say that the margin for them to not get this right is very very small right and thereby i get worried in the consumer internet uh, sorry in the consumer sort of neo bank space a number of companies that come where they don't have this deep insight in terms of what they are seeing they're just seeing there's a lot of heightened action around Uh, investment and thereby uh, they think that is they can ride the wave, uh, but those are the companies that will become mm. like you know the first casualties when you know when yeah. things go south, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My yeah. my personal opinion is that we like I am not going to bank with a HDFC or an ICICI bank in five years from now, and I say that with a lot of conviction because uh, you know. one of the guys from medici he uh, joined oak north in a very senior position and i have yeah. seen the kind of built out of oak north right it's profitable they have done about 4 billion dollar usd of sme lending so far uh, very minimal credit loss so there are things which can be done smartly right the two week sprints in a startup versus like two years in a bank right i am i am actually banking on that i am also banking on the fact that even within india they are they in segments like Say investments, a company like Zeroda has built fifteen twenty percent market share, right? Just purely yeah. based on sort of experience and how do you handle customers. Right. Or in the US, you see Quicken, right? Against the banks in the hardest of the segments like mortgage, uh, they have become like the leader in the industry. So I, I feel that there is um, there is there is that there is the UX UI and and you know just handling the customers better. Uh, and and providing them a better experience. For example, the best FD experience in the country today is not from a bank, right? So yeah. there's a lot of that, but also there is the fact that in a few years, the uh, you know RBI might come up with a virtual banking license, right? Hong Kong True. or 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 UK or Singapore, and then the whole arms dealer uh, thing might also go away, right? So yeah, so it, it will be very interesting. But let me ask you this: This is my last question, and then I'll turn over to Salil uh, to close it. That. Um, What is the like? There are many interesting use cases that you have enabled. I I, I know some of yeah. them, but I wanted to hear, and I wanted the audience to hear about some some very interesting sort of out of the box, um, you know, use cases that you have enabled. Uh, if you could share. Yeah, I think we have been, uh, you know, uh, we've been sort of a, a party to a number of market first. Uh, you know, we you know, I just maybe quote a couple of them. Uh, I'll not use the brand name because they are still not public. But you know, yeah. in India, where uh, the whole credit card business is, uh, you know, is still not uh, you know form and shape that it should be. Uh, but you know, the bureau is also not you know great, right? So you don't have like a lot of people who have good credit score. Uh, so in the US, you have something called as a credit builder, right? So if you're if you're right. uh, if you land up as a student and you can virtually deposit some cash in a bank and you know uh, have. uh you know a credit card issued against that as a collateral uh so india never had this product meaningfully right so some banks had it as a fixed deposit link product uh, we are super excited where we are working with the marketplace where we are building that as a, a secure sort of credit product if your application got turned down for uh, what a bad credit score you didn't meet the hurdle rate etc uh you could virtually invest uh, or park money 
not just in FD, you could put it in a liquid fund, you could put it in a bank deposit, you could have, sir, you know, you could escrow your, you know, insurance policy where the surrender value can be taken as a guarantee or you could yeah. put it in gold. Uh, so the choice has got democratized where the customer could say that I just need to, and there's a lot more uh, value uh, creation that's happening in the form of educating the customer in terms of how well that score can get repaired and over what period of time, how they can expect to you know go better, right? So if right. we are at a point in time where uh, if you look at India, bureaus came into existence maybe about 12, 13 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. The guys who defaulted on their education loan, personal loan, like in their 20s, right? Are all actually going back to their, you know, uh, to buy a house, right? That's when they realized that they are, they are civil bad. Mm -hmm. right? So otherwise their life was going okay. So when, uh, when it's a housing loan, there's a lot more, you know, vigilance into your historical data because there's a, you know, there's a lot of value at risk. Uh, so they're buying those guys need, you know, uh, desperately, you know, need a mechanism by which they can, you know, somebody can help them repair their score. So that's, that's something that we are doing. So it's actually expanding the market. It's, it's building right. new products. So we're super excited about that. Uh, yeah. Likewise, we are also sort of building, uh, you know, uh, to my earlier point around blurring the line between products. Uh, we have a number of these lending sort of institutions, which are starting with a small ticket line. Uh, but graduating that customer into a full-fledged credit card product, right? So uh, the velocity with which we are seeing credit card programs getting rolled out in India today uh, is phenomenal, right? We'll probably start, you know, today we add about a million cards of which, you know, the new to credit probably is about 15 odd percent. Uh, so mm -hmm. you in a country like India, you have only 100, 150,000 people coming into credit cards every month. I mean, it's a shame, right? Um, so we see that going up by at least 10x in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, right? So you'll have new credit cards issued in the three, four million sort of on a monthly basis that can accelerate, you know, uh, in terms of how credit uh, consumption credit uh, works in India, right? Also, right. thanks to the payment infrastructure, you have, uh, you know, different types of unsecured, like you have a personal loan, you have consumer durable loans. All of that is now coming into, you know, one common payment product, right? So that you can use that repeatedly. And RBI has also been sort of opening up that segment. They recently allowed NBFCs to issue cards so that uh, it can, you know, power up the whole thing. So we are super right. excited and we're doing a lot of innovative work in that, in that whole consumer sort of lending space. So is the case with SME because it's also aided by other macro sort of factors, right? Uh, right. Yeah, so a big part of our focus remains in that space. We're also yeah. doing some very interesting work around cross-border and how money sort of comes into the country. Uh, there are fintechs that have served for, you know, sort of people like you and me. Uh, but if you just actually go down a few notches, you know, if you look at start looking at blue-collar segments and all, uh, there's a lot of value uh, that's on the table in terms of how those customers are served. We are doing some interesting work uh, in that space as well. Uh, these are like two areas which are we are super sure. kicked about. Yeah. Sure, very very interesting areas. Salil, over to you. Yeah, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. So um, obviously, Madhu, um, uh, thank you very much for your insights. Obviously, we are in a market which is kind of very different, like you rightly said, from the rest of the markets. The way we have kind of built the digital public goods upon which then private enterprises. Uh, innovate kind of brings about <clears throat> a different set of challenges, but also a different set of opportunities. And we have a very wide market uh, to address. 
um, the scale is very high, uh, be it credit, insurance, the gap is very high. And I'm pretty sure uh, that, you know, YAP being one of the earliest platforms that has emerged in the country, uh, you know, you have that pole position. And I'm sure, uh, you know, um, you have a lot of work to do, I guess, but I'm quite excited to see what you will be doing over the next uh, couple of years, having established your base. So thank you very much for coming on uh, uh, on Invisible Fintech and uh, wish you and your team uh, uh, the best uh, in future. Thank you very much, Madhu. Thank you, Salim. Thanks. Thank you, Amit. Thanks for having uh, hang me on the show. I think one part, you know, sort of parting note, I would say, yes. uh, if you actually look back, you know, there's RBA data available. Five years back, if you look at, you know, credit cards, pens, and all of this, that if you look at the top five banks, right. and if you look at it to today, right, five or six years back, and if you look at that same, you know, set of banks today, you'll find one or two interesting banks that have, you know, come into the top five sort of, you know, range, right? And if yeah. you actually start looking at that bank closely, it has only been because of partnerships that has, you know, helped them break into the top five, whether it's on acquiring or credit card issuance. So right. banks recognize and realize that, right? So partnership as a way to sort of grow that business uh, is here to stay in and banks completely recognize that and thereby there's a lot more uh, noise from, you know, some of the bankers, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, every, yeah. every banker out there in this country should actually listen to this uh, whole episode, but especially this last part. Uh, <laughs> With that, uh, we want to talk a lot more about uh, this space uh, and we'll probably bring Madhu back, uh, you know, again in the future to discuss about, say, things like monetization, things like do-it-yourself, financial infrastructure APIs and sort of, you know, the outlook for the whole segment. But, um, you know, just to sort of um, be within the time contract, uh, we would like to end this here. Thank you so much, Madhu sure. and Salil. Thanks. Thank and thanks everyone thanks. for joining us. Thanks, Salil. Okay, bye. Thank you, Madhu.